Today on City Cash Chicago, we will always claim Oprah Winfrey as one of ours. The Queen of Talk launched her iconic show here in 1986, and it ran for 25 years. She redefined talk shows, covering everything from fad diets and book clubs to exclusive celebrity sit-downs and necessary discussions about race after the L.A. riots. You could literally teach a class on the show's cultural impact. And a new podcast basically does that. We talk to the host of Oprah Demics. It's Tuesday, April 19th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. Dr. Kelly Carter-Jackson and Dr. Leah Wright-Regur are historians and co-hosts of Oprah Demics. Welcome to CityCast. Thanks for having us. Hey. hey. Oprah-demics, the study of the queen of talk. I'm going to start with you, Kelly. When did you mm-hmm. discover Oprah? And tell me more about your experience watching her growing up. Um, she was a staple for me all throughout middle school, high school, certainly college. I like would make my schedule around her TV show. I mean, I always watched it. So it's kind of hard to say, like, when did it start? Because for me, Oprah sort of was one of those things that, like, always was. It was just like she was that that soundtrack, even more than a soundtrack to my life. She was like texture and mm-hmm. visuality and all of these things, information for such a long period. Yeah. What about you, uh, Leah? When did Oprah's voice start to become so iconic in your world? So I, I don't remember a time without Oprah Winfrey. Right? <laughs> and I think that's an indicator of not just for me, because there's so many people who have the exact same experience that I had, which is I think it's an indication of just how powerful she is for the mm-hmm. culture right like she is the culture so when i when oprah debuted when her, t- her talk show debuted i was a child it was pretty i was pretty small and when her talk show went off the air i was an adult so you know parts of my life are really bookended <laughs> of my uh, of my uh, growth are bookended by oprah winfrey the show debuted september 8th 1986 and went off the air may 25th 2011 kelly do you have a sense uh, of just how big a legacy that reached. At one point, y'all called her a cultural syllabus. What does that mean to call a person a cultural syllabus? (laughs) I mean, a syllabus, it is like the canon. It's everything you need to know to be prepared for whatever it is that you are, are going to, you know, become an expert in. And I think that Oprah is such a cultural syllabus in that when I think about health, I think about Oprah. When I think about celebrating a birthday in a fantastic way, living my best life, when I think about the most important and iconic interviews in celebrity and political culture that have taken place, Oprah has curated those conversations. Even when it just comes to like organizing your house or picking books to read. Mm-hmm. makeovers, fashion, like every single aspect. Because the thing is, is that the Oprah Winfrey show wasn't just a lifestyle guide for like just health or just physical fitness or just, you know, celebrities. It covered everything, mm-hmm. even like things like mental health yeah. and, you know, trans identity. Like that was something that Oprah started all of those conversations back when we didn't really have language for what it was. Leah, do you remember an episode, even if you haven't covered it on the podcast yet, from a child when you just got a sense of like, she different, different. Like, this isn't just (laughs) another talk show on TV or another journalist I'm watching 
a legend at work. Did you have that moment as a child? There are two moments that, that really stick out for me that like I can remember in my head. One is the LA riots and rebellions episode because that was that was mm-hmm. huge. And that's what Kelly and I talk about, like the old Oprah Winfrey. That's when she was still in kind of like, you know, ratings mode. We're in Los Angeles. For the second day after the uh, Rodney King verdict, we're still discussing what should be done. Hopefully today, we're taking questions from the audience, like all oh, really oh, scandal and outrage them, and all kinds of things. audience members right? was finna box. Right, ready. They were ready to go at it. It does not matter what color that man was. Okay, exactly. I don't care if he That's had right. nothing. If he that. had right. no pigmentation on his skin, no human being deserve that and for you to sit there and say you could understand I watched it. you can, I can understand. understand that and then of course the evolved oprah who gives away cars right i mean uh, the, I, I i saw that when it was happening i don't know how or why like but i remember that moment and people looking under seats and pulling out a, oh! <laughs> all right open your boxes Open your boxes. One, two, three. You get a car. You get a car. You get a car. You get a car. Yeah. She took the best yes. of local news, like soap opera, game show giveaway, and was like, we doing all that yes. one-stop shop. Uh, you, you come to the Oprah show, you don't know right. what you're going to get. Right. The third episode, you dive into Rodney King and the L.A. riots. Oprah actually took her show there while the riots were still happening, which, again, like in this age of social media where people pull their phone out and you could show up at any place, you know, and be somewhere on your own. No, she packed up, moved the show during the riots. You know, to each of you, why was that Oprah episode so important to dissect so early? I'm going to start with you, Kelly. We covered this on the show, but the the Rodney King beating was the first video of police brutality to go viral. They didn't have a word for viral back then, but that's essentially what, what happened. Mm-hmm. Everyone in America and around the world saw this video footage. And when the verdict came out and, and the police were acquitted, Rebellion Mm -hmm. breaks out all over L.A. And if you grew up in this moment, this was transformative. Mm -hmm. It was transformative. In a lot of ways, this is what people, younger people now experience with George Floyd and with, you know, the summer of 2020. But this was a big moment. And to be able to, there's only a few times where Oprah moves her show. She goes to like Australia one time. Mm -hmm. She takes her show to Dallas. But to go to LA and not do like something fun. This is not a trip or giveaway. But this is having hard conversations with People who are in the audience, people who looted, people, uh, Lou Gossett Jr. <laughs> is in the audience. You know, she's talking to the, uh, of Roots. Mm-hmm. She's talking about to celebrities. She's talking to former LAPD police officers. And this, I think, was a conversation that needed to be had because people were trying to make sense of the violence and the rage and the grief. handcuff these officers so they couldn't enforce the law. And then when the riots break out, the same people on the news that condemn the officers... They're saying, well, how come the officers aren't doing anything? Don, do you want to say what? Don, go ahead. This, this is exactly why you have a riot in Los Angeles, because you don't see it. No, 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 you had your piece, you had your piece. You don't see it, because 
My life is as valuable as yours. I agree. And Rodney King's life is as valuable as yours. I but agree. you can't understand that. You're missing it. Now, you're standing here with a black woman who I don't know if she's your friend or who she is. She's my girlfriend. She's your girlfriend. Yes. But obviously, you two need to sit down and talk because you so. are missing it. You are missing so. it. And let me say, no, but let me say this. Let me say And what felt like what was a miscarriage of justice. And so the fact that she's, you know, able to do this, to have the range to have that kind of conversation. And then fast forward later, have another conversation about, uh, you know, like throw pillows on your couch. The range. The range. The range. The range. Most people can't do that. <laughs> Are you self-conscious about your smile? Do you only allow yourself a closed mouth grin? Well, with Aligner Experts, there's no reason for you to diminish your smile. As orthodontists, they have the privilege of witnessing the remarkable transformation of patient smiles, which often translates into a profound boost in their confidence. Yet, there always seems to be a deterrent. I ain't got the time, I don't have the funds. Luckily, Aligner Experts is redefining convenient and accessible clear aligner solutions. With customizable treatments, transparent pricing, and their cutting edge 3D scanners and dental monitoring technology, you can transform your smile through the convenience of your own schedule. Stop in at their West Loop or Lakeview Clinic today for your complimentary smile assessment. Aligner Experts. Your destination for advanced clear aligner solutions. P.S. They got another clinic on the way, so stay tuned for their Old Town location. Not only did Oprah discuss it, you know, discuss what had happened, the verdict, the, the rebellion, but had her audience participate in as well and like we said you know not everybody was was on the same page you had people standing up who were almost to tears at the heartbreak they felt um at you know how betrayed they felt by their country by police and then you had people stand up you know the beckys as y'all mentioned who were you mm. know i i don't condone it but i i understand what, yeah we didn't see the whole we didn't see, we didn't see what happened before why was that oprah episode so important for the national conversation about race at the time. So for a lot of people that have, have reached out to us, uh, including uh, Elizabeth Hinton, who was the guest on the show, one of mm -hmm. the things that they talked about is like, this was actually a formative cultural moment for them in understanding mm -hmm. race and actually trying to make sense of what happened uh, in Los Angeles. And here's Oprah saying, well, no, I wanna have a conversation about race and I'm going to allow people to express their very real feelings, emotions, and opinions. And also I am going to encourage the audience to engage with one another and check one another. I thought, so we, we didn't hear censored points of view right people got up there uh, and people said, were yeah. just jumping in people you could hear the audible yeah. gas the, the looters the guy who was like oh i looted yeah and i feel yeah. good about it yes. yeah like that's a moment mm -hmm. that is that is and and it's incredible because as we again as we pointed out on the show this is not the kind of thing you would see in 2020, 2021, 2022. Those kinds of conversations are not happening on television, let alone daytime TV. So to see that and then have the, the archive of it, have it like as a living document is really powerful. Yeah. 
I think that's probably one of the most powerful things that Oprah is able to do is to narrate these conversations where she puts her arm around your shoulder mm. or she's holding your hand. She is letting you know it's okay to talk. It's safe to talk. There's one thing that I think Oprah does not get a lot of credit for, but should. And I think Oprah does a lot of work to destigmatize shame and trauma particularly Uh, shame and trauma around sexual assault, sexual abuse, um, Mm -hmm. traumatic and abusive upbringings. And she uses herself as a model for her to talk about how she had a child as a teenager, as a young teenager, is Mm -hmm. incredible. Just to put it out there, to talk about her upbringing, to talk about her half-sister, right? Like to bring, we have like this whole episode um, on on uh, Oprah and her family and half sisters, and I think that's actually been consistent. Oprah has not let go of that. She continues to center um, uh, trauma, abuse, sexual assault mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. as part of broader narratives. Um, but she also continues to emphasize like destigmatizing this. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. She's taking the shame, I think, out of what it means to be a victim of, of, of sexual assault and to shed mm-hmm. light on it and to and to really give people voice to speak about things that are incredibly painful. I don't think we have praised her enough yes. for that, like how difficult it is to not just have conversations about race or class or gender, but to talk about what sexual trauma and pain looks like. Oprah had those really hard conversations and she started with herself. Yes. And I think that's what people appreciate. She's so vulnerable mm-hmm. and honest in in all of her success, but also in all of her feelings. Um, and that to me is just like incredible. In making this podcast, were there moments that made you see Oprah in a different way, which, which goes both ways, right? Mm-hmm. Were you disappointed in something she did, how she covered something? And mm-hmm. also, was there something you learned about her? So let's start with disappointment with both of y'all. Was there a moment that you was just like, mm-hmm. baby girl, this don't, this don't look good 20 years <laughs> later? I would say probably the episode we have coming out this Wednesday, which is where we talk about Oprah School in South Africa, mm. um, which is an incredible feat. Um, this is the other thing. Nobody was really, celebrities weren't starting schools like this till Oprah does. Mm-hmm. But I think that there is, there was a lot of controversy, especially in Chicago, about why she didn't start a school in Chicago and, you know, why she thinks kids in America are entitled or just want iPads and that kids, you know, outside of America are more appreciative. There was real, a real desire for her to do something here in America. I don't completely fault her for that, but I do think it's worth teasing out, like, the different motivations and outcomes and how Black children, especially in the Chicago area, get seen um, and who sort of gets to say who's worthy and and who's not or who's going to be grateful and who's not. Like, that gets really um, murky and really problematic when you start to dive down into those those kinds of ethical questions. Mm. I think one of the biggest pieces of feedback that we've gotten from from people is like, well, are you going to talk about insert 
person who, in retrospect, you know, 20 years later, it was a terrible decision to amplify that platform. And, you know, Kelly and I said, we do have to talk about those people. We have to put it in context. We have to understand, like, what is this, uh, what is this part of? Is this part of a bigger picture? I can't tell you the number of people who have been like, are you going to talk about Dr. Phil and Dr. Oz? Yes, and yeah. part of yeah. it is, or, or John right, of John of God, Jenny McCarthy, right? Like, there, there are oh. some of these people... Um, and then there, there's the flip side, which is, are, are you going to talk about, like, Rachel Ray? Are you going to talk about Susie Orman, mm-hmm. Nate Burkis, who everybody loves mm-hmm. that Oprah also put on? And so what we decided yeah. is that we do, if we're going to talk about, you know, all of the positive ones, all the ones that we all love yeah. and, you know, we buy their books and, you know, New York Times bestseller, their own TV shows and spinoffs. We also have to talk about the ones that we are also deeply uncomfortable with, particularly since there's mm-hmm. such a large contingency of people who rightfully so point out how, you know, damaging some of the things that these people have mm-hmm. done in this in, in our larger culture and society. We in Chicago really claim Oprah. You know, as of y'all course. break down the show and y'all look through it, is there something about Chicago that you really think shaped Oprah in the show? Something very mm-hmm. Chicago about the about the production? Mm. That's a good question. I, I will y'all, say y'all, this. y'all ain't gonna <laughs> get that in y'all in y'all LA podcast. Interview. I know, but there's something there's there's something to the flavor of Chicago. Um, particularly like black Chicago, but, but, you know, Chicago more broadly that certainly does shape the show. Like it's the windy city. It is a decision. It is a choice Mm -hmm. to have the studio be in Chicago, to have Harpo, you know, her production company to be situated in Chicago. It becomes part of the landscape of Chicago. But I also think there's something about, you know, and this is me putting on my academic cap, something about the uniqueness of Chicago as this kind of black transplant, you know, southern migration Uh city that is infused to the very show, into the very show itself. And so we see this in the early years. Like, so when Oprah is doing the work, the early work of setting the, the, you know, the stage for her show, for defining what the show is going to be, at least in this, you know, early period, we see the makeup in terms of the production decisions. We also know that Oprah has a lot of people from the community of Chicago appear on some of those 4,500 shows, right? But I I think we can't deny that there's something about Chicago that makes and molds the show into what it becomes. To the co-hosts of Oprah Demix, Dr. Kelly Carter-Jackson and Dr. Leah Wright-Rigger, thank y'all so much for joining us on CityCast Chicago. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Such a great time. Before I let you go, a little bit of news, y'all. An ongoing dispute at the Chicago Reader has the Alt-Weekly's future in jeopardy. One of the paper's owners is delaying the company's transition to nonprofit status. Check out today's newsletter for more information and our episode about the Reader. Graduate students at the University of Illinois Chicago who are part of a union called Graduate Employee Organization staged a walkout yesterday. Negotiations for a new contract haven't progressed since theirs expired last April. GEO represents more than 1,500 graduate students at Chicago's largest university. Tonight at 7 p.m., you can hear from the candidates running to replace longtime Congressman Bobby Rush in Illinois' 1st District. It's at Freedom Temple Church of God in Christ. And some good news to get you through. Tomorrow is 420, and you know what that means. 
nah, not that. The Bronzeville Winery is finally opening on 44th and Cottage Grove. You can expect good wine, good art, and of course, good vibes. As always, I appreciate you for listening. Talk to you tomorrow. Peace. Kick it!